Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. So welcome. Thank you for joining us to House Church today. If you are a guest or a visitor, we are thrilled that you've decided to be with us today. If you're catching up uh, later this evening, if you're out for a run this week, uh, we're so pleased that you've taken the time to connect with us. Uh, If we haven't met before, my name's Andy. Uh, I'm the senior pastor here. And we're going to do things a little bit differently uh, this morning. For the past number of weeks, we've been reflecting through Matthew chapter 13 on the question, what do you see? Jesus is constantly inviting us to immerse ourselves in true reality, in God reality, to learn to see things from his perspective. And I've invited Yvette to come and join us today to share some of the stories with us that I hope help you see some of what the wider church is engaged in at the minute and how God's kingdom is indeed breaking in in the midst of everything else that's going on around us. So Yvette, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. And you put that question that was going to be your first question. I actually struggled on that first question more than anything. <laughs> and I thought I was going to surprise you a little bit maybe and give you a little bit longer answer to that. Because I know you're not expecting it, but I was thinking about that question. We're asking each other that all the time. How are you? And everybody just says fine. Yeah. And I thought about how I actually wanted to answer that question today. Mm. And um, I actually asked myself, how do I know if I'm fine? And because I don't want to just answer that question to my church family and say, yeah, I'm grand um, in our culture. It reminded me of something that I'm just doing at the minute about how I work out if I'm fine. And um, I just wanted to um, share a little thing with you that I'm looking at at the minute, and it's called Take Five, and it's on the Public Health Agency website. Mm. And it just allows you to check in with yourself. How are you? And it has three, five things on it. And the reason why it's so easy to remember is you use your hand, and it's uh, things that help you do with your own mental health and well-being, and connecting with people or connection, being active, taking notice, keeping learning, and also giving. And I just thought, you know, before I talk about the context of what we're doing, Mm. it's really good to just let you know that I am working hard to check in with myself, Mm. to ask myself that question, am I fine? And from that comes these things of um, how I find my own well-being. And Jesus is so wrapped up in that. But the one I wanted to just mention was that thing of taking notice. Mm. Because you mentioned there about seeing. And this whole thing of taking notice is part of my own personal well-being at the moment. Mm. But also because I'm an introvert, that's how I recharge. Mm. I stop, I breathe, I take notice, I look, and I'm learning so much through doing that. The connection thing, as an introvert, I find a little harder. Mm. I'm having to work on that. But I'm also learning the beauty of connection that it brings me. Learning is something I'm trying to intentionally do. And this whole thing of giving, I'm just lucky that I have a job that allows me to give mm, every well. day through what I do. So I think my answer is I'm reflective at the moment, but I'm in a, I'm in a good place just trying to intentionally work that out. Mm, wow. Brilliant. 
So there, there are probably some folks uh, listening uh, who haven't got to see or hear that much from you since March, uh, although I know that you've been incredibly busy uh, over the last six or seven months. But for, for any, uh, that don't, any people that don't really uh, know you or know what you do, can you share a bit with us about what you're passionate about and some of what your role uh, within Lagan Valley Vineyard is? Yeah, I mean, there's loads of things that I'm passionate about, but job-centered, um, I'm really... You can talk about ukulele if you want. Well, I could, and then I would talk for a while. I'm actually missing playing in the ukuleles. I haven't played ukulele with friends for months, and I'm missing that, and I realize just how mm. good that sort of stuff is for us. Mm. Music, connection, socializing, yeah. I do miss it. Um, trying to play a bit of ukulele at home, which is good, and... Um, yeah, and kayaking, again, haven't been out kayaking, that's my other passion. But as far as my work's concerned, I'm just really passionate probably about people. Mm. And um, I love that my work gives me lots of opportunities for that. Some headline things I'm really passionate about working into my work, um, mental health and well-being, um, people and particularly families, um, work, looking at ways to prevent um, crisis or trauma um, as a community rather than just responding to it. So look, preventative work, mm. early intervention work. Uh, domestic violence, mm. very interested in reading, learning, supporting and engaging with that mm. and church unity mm. and partnership work. Mm. So, so what is that, uh, all those things that you're, you're passionate about, how does that express itself in your job? Then, if somebody's listening to all that and going, okay, what does that even look like for what somebody actually does? What does that look like for you? I think for me, it comes down to that person-centered humanness, <laughs> really. Mm. Um, I think when you plant a church, you engage with the church, you become alive as a church family and you start exploring that, you realize that each person is intrinsically valuable. Mm. And then you start to look at the core things of that. You know, what does it mean for that person to live their life in the fullest way? And how can I um, encourage that, inspire that, enable that? Um, how can I learn from them? And how can I come alive from what they do? Mm. And then what would happen and what would it look like if we worked together more instead of working in our silos or in our own mindset? And what does it look like to not be afraid to um, get that wrong with each other and to work things out mm. and then that is called community and it's called life in our city and I just love playing with that enjoying that meeting new people finding new ideas and working for the health of our community with people and partnership and working together mm. well so one, one of the things one of the reasons why we, we wanted to talk with you today is I've really noticed or been struck over the last few weeks how uh, hopeful and how positive actually which uh, finding people who are really positive at the minute can sometimes be challenging maybe that's just a reflection of who I'm surrounded by um, but I've really noticed how hopeful and positive you've been in some of our conversations over the last few weeks particularly can, can you maybe just tell us a little bit about where that's coming from and why you're carrying that kind of atmosphere in your life at the moment? Um, I think that a lot of it comes from um, that, taking us back to that take five, um, being aware of myself and realizing that I am encouraged when I give. Mm. And um, 
and, I'm in, and also I'm encouraged when I stay connected and when I'm learning new things. Mm. And I think intentionally trying to invest in those particular areas has uh, continued my hope and continued, and I'm aware, I'm very aware that not everybody has access to those things maybe as much as I do. Um, however, I'm learning that intentionally it comes from myself and how much I choose to connect with others, to give of myself or to learn new things. Um, and I, I really don't want to come across with the big, uh, with a with a big amazing picture there. But other than to say maybe, it's when I ha when I'm most hopeful, it's when I'm intentionally investing in those things, mm. and they're really not rocket science. I have really bad days too, but when I have the opportunity to connect with somebody, to give to them and to learn something from them and with them on an equal part, um, hope is restored in me. Mm. Uh, I'm inspired. And fundamentally, I see Jesus in that. Mm. And it's in those places that I connect with Jesus. Mm. And when we look at scripture, you know, uh, Jesus is most profound, connective, alive moments were when he connected with people mm. or he genuinely saw them. Mm. He took time with them. He, was in, he intentionally took time to reflect or listen when he learned from them, when he gave to them. Um, and he, he teaches us to live like that. Mm. And I think that comes from that. I'm also noticing that at the moment, people really need us to give. They really need us to connect. They really need to learn together, to share together, to be honest. And, um, and so when, I've completely forgot what I was gonna say there. But yeah, I'm, I'm noticing it's a two-way thing. Mm. Yeah, brilliant. Oh, that's what I wanted to say, something very good. Um, that I'm noticing that people are really open to the Father right now, mm. are really open to prayer, and actually want us to say to them, um, can I pray with you? Mm. Do you know that uh, Jesus is a source of hope? We have hope. And in sharing hope with people um, and seeing their response to that mm. fills me with hope again. Wow. So, so, um, so what I think I'm hearing you say is that it's, an, it's a choice, it's active, and it's looking for what Jesus is doing and partnering with that. Yeah. How do you, I haven't told you I'm going to ask you this, but I, I, think it's, uh, I think it's really important for people listening. How do you deal with that on the moments or the days when you feel like those types of choices are the, like, they're like the bottom of the list? They're like the things that you, you really don't want to do. Well, how does that work itself out in you? Is that just, well, you just do it? Or have you got another way of um, engaging in that when you don't feel like it? I think it is just doing it, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, I think it is. Um, and again, um, I'm lucky that my job enables me, enables me to, do, to do that. But I think most of our jobs, you know, we go in and in some way we have to connect with people. Mm. In some way, we have to give of ourselves that we're not necessarily wanting to give, or we have to muster that up. Mm. And sometimes it is just doing the work. Um, I'm reflective at the moment how grateful I am that I'm not a new Christian at this point, mm. because I think it would be quite hard, because I draw on the fact that 
I've learned that in my practice up until now. Mm. And a lot of the decisions that I'm making is coming from my experience of Jesus and his life and his faithfulness to me before. Mm. So when I get up in the morning and I don't feel like doing the work, I remind myself of who God is and what I know of his nature and his character mm. and what he sees of me and what he thinks of me. And then I just walk in the truth of that even though I don't have the feeling or the emotion to back it up. But as I go, um, it, it, it renews in me throughout the mm. day. There's a, there's a spiritual principle that uh, it's not very sexy. Uh, there's not too many conferences or books on it, uh, but it's really simple and really important. It's called obedience. And I, I, I just think one of the things I observe in, in your life, actually, is regardless of your emotional state, you seek to obey the things that Jesus has said to you, whatever's happening mm -hmm. in your particular day or week. And I, I think it's really important that we don't overlook that. And if you're um, at home thinking, I'm just really struggling to kind of get in gear or I'm re I really struggle to kind of feel like I want to, one of the keys, I think, to the kingdom actually is just to obey Jesus. And often our uh, feelings or our emotional state follows the things that we choose to prioritize and do. Mm. Does that make sense? It does. And I also think it comes from um, being willing to learn. Mm. So do you have time for a story? Yeah, go ahead. Love a story. So um, yesterday, um, Mark and Hannah decided to paint Hannah's bedroom. I really didn't want to do that. Mm. So I was like, I, I'm just going to go to the shop and I'm going to do some shopping. Because isn't it funny at the minute, like, life is so simple. One of the places you go and get your head showered is, I'll go to the supermarket. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Like, no longer playing ukulele, but I'll go to the supermarket <laughs> and I might even pick, like, a higher brand of crisps for Saturday night, you know? <laughs> Splash because out on sensations yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. What is That's your high brand of crisps? What's your crisp of choice if you're splashing out? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Those giant watsits, because they remind me of my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> giant watsits, I can't think of them worse. Anyway, sorry, I'm distracting you. Keep going. So I was a little bit grumpy, and I was like, nobody, nobody interfered with my life this morning. I am going to the supermarket, I shall read labels and enjoy cooking and I shall buy things and go home and cook and be insular. Nice. And I was in the supermarket car park and this is an example of um, my passion for domestic violence, the reading that I've done up on that, my intention to talk to Jesus about that and learn about that. Mm. I was in the car park and I put all my shopping in the car and I was about to go and I looked over and I saw a girl and a guy, and he was being aggressive towards her, and mm. no one was noticing. And so I just stood at the side of my car, and I leant on my car, and I watched for a while, and then I realized that although no one else was noticing, it was quite a serious situation. Mm. And the, everybody was just walking past, and um, she ended up phoning the police, and it got quite serious, but it didn't look anything. It was quiet. Mm. It was simple. And then I noticed that he wasn't leaving and that she was very upset. So when they were about 100 yards from each other, I just sidled up next to her and I said, you're safe. Mm. And I said, I'm going to walk you inside. And I said, I volunteer and I understand a little bit about women's aid. Have you heard of them? And I'm just saying that so that you feel safe when I'm standing next to you. Walk with me. We'll go inside and, 
um, well, you'll, you'll be okay. Mm. And he then followed us for a bit, but went off. She came inside, we found a quiet space, found uh, some people there who could help her. The police came and um, I was able to talk to her about women's aid, what I knew about that, that it was a good agency, able to give her the phone mm. number, able to sign poster, able to sit with her with that. But had I not um, learned what I've learned about women's aid, had mm. I not, I wouldn't have seen that. Well. Most people didn't see that. Well. And I just want to use that as an example of, you know, when we allow ourselves to learn, we start to see. And, yeah. you know, when we learn the things of Jesus, when we read his word, when we read scripture, when we immerse ourselves in that, or we ask, what does this mean in my everyday? We see things. Mm. We might just be going to the supermarket. Yeah. We might be on a phone call. We might be walking down the street. We don't have to respond to other people's trauma all the time. That's just the way I'm trained or wired. We'd, for a lot of people, that wouldn't have been safe to do. Mm. But even in reading scripture, practicing it in our lives and understanding it, um, we start to see things mm. the way the Father sees them. And it gives us opportunities to join in. Wow. I love that. I love that in the midst of <laughs> going looking for giant watsits, there's space in both your head and your heart and the way you're approaching life to just be open to what Jesus is doing around you in the midst of ordinary life, which is kind of the point. This is what we've been talking about for eight years, really, isn't it? It is, mm. you know. Um, let's change gears a wee bit. Um, can you give us a bit of an overview of the, the kind of work as a church family that we're engaged in at, at the moment. And um, I've asked the vet specifically to do this in kind of a bit of a rapid fire way, just so that you get a sense of what's going on. You know, so depending on uh, your engagement levels with church at the moment, it'd be very easy for you to think there's not a lot happening. And uh, as you're about to discover, that couldn't be further from, from the truth. Will you just give us a bit of a sense of an overview for a minute or two? Yeah. Um, as I read this rapid fire list, you could switch off. Mm. So I'd love you to just do something and posture yourself for a moment as I read this list. Um, in, in that, what does Jesus see and what is Jesus doing? There's two ways you could look at, you can hear these things. One, you could just say, thank you, Jesus, that you're active in each person's life. But do see each stat here as a person's story and a person's life. Because I in no means like doing lists like this because every person we work with is a person and every person has a story and every person is treasure. Um, so please just um, pray for these people as I list uh, these areas that we're working in or arise again in your spirit and say, God, your kingdom is active and alive and invite God's kingdom to come as I read this list out to you. Um, we have had 18 plus phone calls. So this is, this is a September, October celebration that I've written down to record what we've been doing. So this is September, October, the last eight weeks. There've been over 88 phone calls and connections with people pastorally and connection through phone cards and messages. And these amount to these things. Four home supports, which are significant supporting people in their home with provisions for them, um, including one uh, person's return from hospital 
into their home. Uh, we floored one home um, with new flooring. We have uh, done garden makeovers for gardens that were this high in grass, eight of those gardens for uh, local homes. We've moved a trampoline for a family from one home to another. We've provided five homes with furniture um, we've received 10 furniture donations from our local, from us in the church, giving to people who need. We've received from two of you baby items, which we've been able to donate to families. We've um, dropped three uh, different uh, grocery baskets off to doorsteps, and we've done eight shopping for the elderly. We've uh, provided seven or eight, actually, hot uh, meals. Um, over the last eight weeks to families, and we've uh, provided therapy for funding for professional therapy, 10 sessions during that time, um, 10 bags of personal care items, toiletries to doors, and uh, 10 homes there's been baking or cakes made for and taken to them. We've run a cat money course on Zoom with Nicola and another one planned for January. We've helped two homes that have had new babies, but we've also given baby gifts to countless numbers of you who've had new babies as well. We've had um, two advocates, or we've advocated for two people who've been homeless, one single person and a, a family who have no home at the moment and needed us to advocate for them uh, with various agencies to enable them to get the places that they needed. They still don't have their homes and we're still advocating for them. Um, one... Um, one referral of a gentleman we just met in the street who was begging and we referred him to the local food bank and to benefit support agency for him for his uh, paperwork. Um, that domestic violence incident yesterday is one of a few that we've recognized and been able to signpost to support. We've signposted over um, to over 15 different local agencies in the people that we've been speaking to, they've been signposted to 15 different agencies. Um, we've had 15 strategic partnership meetings with agencies focused on topics like community well-being, mental health, church unity, food poverty, homelessness, inequality research, men's mental health, early intervention, children and young people, isolation and loneliness, money and budgeting. And we've also given out food uh, vouchers and food referrals to homes for food poverty. Who referred those people to us? You did, but also Women's Aid did. The housing executive patch managers who are working in their local areas, housing executive housing provision, um, the health trust disability team, uh, the health trust social workers, um, social workers both in the health centre and in the Lagan Valley Hospital. Uh, the Syrian community have referred to us, SureStar to the PSNI, uh, street um, observations that we've had, supermarket observations that we've had, and homes within LVV have asked us for support and engaged us with their support, and other homes in LVV and families and people have also referred people to us, either themselves or their friends and family. <laughs> and all of that's like within like, the, that's just the last six, eight, six eight or eight weeks. weeks. Um, yeah, um, not a lot really. I think what's important here is, I know a lot of people are thinking, what are the big projects? 
And, you know, I would really like to take over a kitchen and cook 100 meals. And I love that some really good local cafes like the Daily Apron, the Owl and the Pussycat are doing that. We've su we want to support them. We've, we have supported them. I know some of you do. Um, and I could set up projects like that. But I'm really interested at the moment about the church being able to anybody and everybody to be engaged and for us also to present to the community in a way that is sustainable and ongoing. The way that we present ourselves now is individuals helping in what's within our hands is a sustainable model that can multiply, that everybody in our church can get involved in all the time and in their every day. Mm. I'm also interested in you, if you want to set up a big project, I will absolutely support you, but this is the way we're working at the moment. And, and one of the things I love about that and we don't necessarily talk about this very often to you as our, our wider community because truthfully it feels a bit awkward, but um, one of the things I love about the approach that you have led our church in taking towards the city and the wider community is how the reputation of the church has risen over the last eight years to the point where on, on uh, Thursday I got a phone call from a retired police officer who now lives uh, somewhere else, not, not in this area, uh, because an ex-colleague of his phoned him because he was trying to get hold of someone in the vineyard and he was like I know that guy he's that ex-colleague of mine he's friends with them and we have a crisis at the minute that we need to get in touch with the vineyard to see if they can help maybe that was Wednesday actually which became a much bigger longer story um, that that has somewhat comedic and tragic and inspiring all in one we don't have time for that this morning but I just love that in the police station when there's a crisis there are police officers that are thinking we need to contact the vineyard. That is a direct result of how you and so many of you have postured yourselves to the needs of the city as crisis has happened. And uh, it's so inspiring and humbling, I think, actually, and how we've done that. Can, can you um, maybe just share a couple of highlights of the last kind of, so that's a big long list of a load of stuff that's kind of going on, but uh, maybe just reflect a little bit on a personal story or two of what you've seen over the last six or eight weeks that has really kind of gra grabbed you? Yeah, um, I want to share a story um, that talks about our church family and what happens when someone asks us for help. Mm. Uh, so we got a call from a local social worker who um, has heard on the grapevine that we don't mind rolling our sleeves up. And, uh, you know, before COVID, this would be easy for us. But he came to us and said, um, there is a gentleman who has had a serious um, you know, illness and uh, non-contagious, got to say that in these days, um, been out of his home for, for a couple of weeks and um, can't get back home because he can't get a hospital bed in. And they said, I know that a vineyard before have been and cleared people's homes before to help them get back home out of hospital. Could you do that? And I said, I'm sorry, we're not doing that at the minute. Um, because of COVID. And then I, that was the end of it. I'm quite boundaried and quite good like that. And then I looked that we also have a, a professional referral system. So in order to get to that point, they have to have filled in a form. So I, I understood his, this person's story. Um, so I reread the notes as I was signing it off. And I just thought, well, hang on a minute. This person literally is not going to get home unless somebody does something. Who can I refer? them to. And as I worked around and worked around, I realized there was nobody else. There, there literally is no, no provision in our city 
uh, for somebody, for cleaning someone's home to allow them to get home from hospital. It just isn't there. And that's one of the things we've been got known for. So I reread the notes, recalled and called um, someone within our community who you all know, who works for the Health Trust and who is good at this stuff. And I said, look, let me just review this with you from your professional opinion. If this person hasn't been in the home for a while, there's no COVID in there. And I went through all the protocols that we need to assess whether it's somewhere safe for us to go. And I made a decision that I couldn't, under the circumstances, ask anybody from the church to do it. But I knew that I could. And um, normally we would mobilize a whole lot of team. But the team immobilized on this was I rang a couple of people in our church who were in the health trust and they helped me think it through. And that was the teamwork that I just was so grateful that we have a lot of people in our church working in the health trust who are wise, who are doing this stuff in their everyday all the time. I was just doing one thing. They're doing it every day. And I decided, and I said to Mark, would you take a couple of hours off? Um, and we'll go tomorrow and we will um, take out this guy's old bed, we'll take it to the dump and we'll make space for the hospital bed to come in. And the social worker was delighted when I rang him back and said, we'll go, we'll take the bed, but that's all we can do. Well, when I got there, the bedroom was in such a bad state. Um, and the social worker was so overwhelmed by it. And we could have just removed the bed which we did, which was urine-soaked and just awful. And Mark and I were kitted up and all the PPE and they provided that for us. And it was quite heartwarming with the way that this person, not heartwarming, heart-wrenching the way this person had lived. But I said to the sofa worker, I can see this is overwhelming you. And also I wouldn't want someone to come back. They may have a bed, but they can't come back in this. I said, give me some more PPE. I'll go home and get all the cleaning equipment. And I came back and I washed the walls from top to bottom and we brought a, a carpet cleaner in and different things. And when the social worker came back at four o'clock, the room was clean, there was space for the bed and we were able to work through some other things. And that person's been able to return to their home and it's not filthy and they have a bit more of a chance mm. to recover. Mm. And I have heard stories where people have been returned, one gentleman in community who's been returning um, in another house because we don't have access because it is COVID related and he's been back and forth into hospital four times because the home is just not hygienic for mm. him to recover in. So it's an important piece of work. It's such a simple thing that we got to do. Um, but I really do feel for what social workers and our health board are having to cope with at the moment, mm. the lack of support provision that they need, and the church can step in and do those simple things. And that's just one simple thing we got to do. And I, I love that in terms of, you know, in one way, the theology of the kingdom of God is incredibly complex and dense and nuanced. And in other ways, it's so simple. The desires of God coming alive on earth. That does God care about that individual human uh, who can't clean his own house so that he can come home to try and recover? Of course he does. And can we get involved in, in, in helping to make that desire come alive? Of course we can. 
for, for so many of you listening or watching, um, you're not going to get a phone call from the Health Trust to help in a situation like that, but your week is full of opportunities to express the things that God cares about, to practice the things that He cares about in a way that costs, and let's be honest, for you and for Mark, that wasn't your most fun couple of hours, but the sense of life and hope that we get from being able to partner with Jesus is something that we can't really tap into anywhere else. Can you tell us quickly the, the story of one of our clients and their relationship with 321? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so housing executive at the minute is calling us and asking us to help with people's gardens. So when people are moving into a house, the garden is really high. One of the things that people will get is abuse from their neighbors when they've just moved in because the garden is overgrown. So someone's new, and usually that person's maybe experienced some kind of trauma to get there. So this person had moved out of a refuge, and when they got there, the garden was so high, the neighbors were, were actually, quite frankly, a little bit abusive to them, and their mental health was struggling with that. So we're getting a few phone calls at the minute. And those of you who are coming and helping doing those gardens, we're having some fun there, and I know that you're really enjoying that. But this, this uh, person we came to the garden, the family in our church came with me because we're going to do one household at a time. Uh, helping in those gardens at the minute. And uh, we uh, cut the grass and the kids in the family planted a flower bed. And it was wonderful to see the kids say, introduce this person to their garden. And they ended up crying. And, and I said, we're standing there, family, and I, I said to this person, you know, we're, we're a church and before we go, we'd like to just pray a blessing on your, on your new home now that it feels peaceful and enjoyable. And uh, we prayed a really peaceful prayer, inviting God's peace to come in that place where they'd felt stress. And they did have a wee cry and then went in and, and felt quite emotional about that. And what we're doing at the moment after we've done a garden is um, uh, one of our, somebody has very kindly offered to, on Wednesday mornings to make phone calls for me. What a blessing they are. And what we've been able to do then is they add some value. So when we do a garden, then this wonderful person just rings them and says, are you enjoying your garden? How did that go? And we just decided in the last few weeks that we would say to them, because I always pray with them in the garden, that this person on the phone would say, how did you find being prayed for? They usually talk about that. And then they were like, would you like me to help you to, uh, we decided we would teach them, would you like me to help you to, to learn to pray in your own home for yourself? And everybody is saying yes. Wow. And what we're doing then is um, not everybody gets the 321 email. And some, a lot of people, to be, to be fair, who've experienced trauma find it hard to wade their way through a big email. So we just snapshot the morning prayer and the evening prayer then we put it into a card and we we put a little thing if you try this in the morning try this in the evening you'll experience a sense of peace mm. put down the card and we send it to them and uh, this one one person whose garden we did um we've made a couple of follow-up phone calls and they've taught themselves to pray mm. And just using praying in the morning, praying in the evening, they keep it on the fireplace. And I've received three texts from them saying, I'm still praying and I, I'm, I'm keeping, I'm treasuring your prayer every day. Wow. And I'm enjoying that. And they had no, they'd never prayed before. Yeah. I love that. Um, <laughs> so one of the things I'm asking myself constantly is, does anyone read 321? Like, is this helpful for anyone in our community? And <laughs> I know that the percentage, because we get to see this, the percentage of uh, 
it opens on that email aren't very high um, from our community. But one of the things that that story was just maybe such a blessing to me was that uh, our community m maybe is struggling to connect with that sometimes. But I, I love that there are people who aren't part of any church that are using this resource to connect to Jesus and to learn how to pray for themselves. I, I, just, I just love that. Um, if someone's listening to this uh, today or later this week of it and they're thinking, I want to I get involved in what she's talking about. I, I, want, I want to see more of what God's doing around me uh, in my life and I want to be a part of it. Um, what would you say are, are some helpful, practical kind of next steps? What would you say to them to, to begin to do? Um, I was really thinking about that, and I, I think I want to go back to that take five from the public health agency. You know, it, it does start with us. Mm. It starts being aware of ourselves and then asking Jesus how we can join in. I think that's the, that's the fundamental thing. But if we go back to that take five, staying connected to Jesus, mm. staying connected to each other, and... Um, being as active as we can in that. Mm. You know, I'm finding myself sitting more than I probably should be. How can I be active? And that's different for, for each of us. Mm. And it's as simple as going for a walk, getting out. But that whole thing of taking notice is a public health agency suggestion for our well-being. Mm. But also, you know, in our lives with Jesus, taking notice of Jesus, learning to notice Jesus. Mm. We do that through just intentionally saying the morning prayer in three, two, one, or mm. reading the scripture out loud, or just simply in our every day at the supermarket, Jesus, what are you doing? Mm. And how can I join in? Not looking for the big trauma, but maybe noticing like people have been doing, talking to a member of Sainsbury staff and just mm. encouraging them. Mm. Yeah. You know, taking notice, taking a moment to pause, you know, to be honest, reducing the amount of news and social media that I'm taking in hmm. and replacing that with stuff that I know brings me life, re, re gives me hope. And sometimes I borrow that hope from other places. Mm. Like I, I try to learn something new, f sign up for a course, or I ask somebody genuinely how they're doing and then I genuinely listen, I'm learning from them. Mm. And then learn from that in my self-awareness to give. And not giving in a superhero way, but giving what's intentionally in my hand and giving as I learn and learning as I give. Mm. Um, I would say that's what I would encourage us to do as a community right now. And if you want to um, do that in, in partnership with someone else, then call us. Mm. And actually, because we're getting lots of invitations from all those agencies that I named, um, people who are in our church community who are coming to me and saying, I have a little bit of time, or I like baking, or I like gardening. When that comes up, will you let me know? I do then. Mm. But unless I know they're available, I, I, I can't give that to them. But when we're getting all these invitations, if you are available, you want to make yourself available, you do want to get involved, please contact us mm. and, and let us know. Mm. It's wonderful. Um, I, I think one of the things that you model uh, just so well to us is that um, life with Jesus, it's not, an, it's not an idea or a belief system. It's an active 
uh, experienced, lived out thing. Mm -hmm. And I think really that's what we're saying is if you want to join in with Jesus, then that looks like making choices to do something. Uh, to make that phone call, to approach that person, to do do that thing. Will you, uh, just as we as we finish this this morning, would you pray for us? Pray for pray for all of us today mm. uh, and this week as we maybe try to lean into that a bit more. Mm. Come, Holy Spirit, as we are in our homes today. Just center us in our homes and in our lives and in our understanding of ourselves in the presence of you. And as Father, as we understand ourselves in the context of your hands and who you are, the more we understand ourselves, Father, the more we know what to do, what to see, what to hear, what to be. Father, I thank you that your kingdom is not about works. It's not about doing. But Father, it is fundamentally about being. And When we understand who we are, then our lives flow from that. Father, teach us your ways. Teach us your nature, your character. Help us to understand ourselves in the context of the truth of your word, the ways of your kingdom, and the nature of Jesus. And Jesus, I thank you that you are alive and active and that COVID-19 has not stopped you. And I thank you, Jesus, that more than ever, the church right now has an opportunity to be Jesus in our community and in our lives and at the school gate and with our neighbor and in our garden and in our supermarkets. And I thank you, Father, in many ways that you've slowed us down, that there isn't the residual noise or the extra noise, but that we can learn intentionally at this time to slow down a little bit and see you. And Father, help us to take advantage of this strange atmosphere, which may provide for us more space to see. Father, for those of us who have lost hope, would you restore hope to our lives? May you speak to us. Would you come, Holy Spirit, and cause our hearts to be open to you again? I speak refreshing over our church in Jesus' name. Be refreshed in Jesus' name. May the life of Jesus come to you afresh. And may you see Jesus again. May you fall in love with him again. And may you be inspired by his spirit. Holy Spirit, you are gentle and kind. Remind us of the truth of Jesus Christ. Remind us of the ways of the Father. May the love of the Father take away fear and restore our hearts again. Father, we love our church. We love your church. It's a privilege to be in church family together. And although we feel apart, you're calling us more than ever to be the church. And so we 
say, come and have your way in our lives. We're sorry for where we've laid that down. But we know that you're immediately there ready to pick it up again and to enable us to join in with your kingdom. And so, God, together we declare, God, let your kingdom come and let your will be done in and through us and in the life of our community around us. In the blessed, beautiful name of Jesus Christ. And with the blessing of the Father, and with the empowerment of your Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Oh, man. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, um, I'm going to invite the band uh, to, to come on up. Um, come on up, guys. And uh, thank you, Yvette. Um, we're going um, to share communion in a second. Chris, will you list that table forward for me as well, um, please? We're going to share communion in, in just a minute, but um, I feel like it would be really helpful for us to kind of prepare ourselves for that. And um, James will probably just go to uh, Jesus, I need you, I think. Um, I read this crazy story this week, and it's quite intense, but it kind of captures, I, I think, something that, that's necessary for us as we, uh, as we come to communion today. Um, Yvette's challenged us really beautifully there about how connected we are, how connected we are to Jesus and how connected we are to, uh, to each other. I read this story this week of, um, of a king, an ancient king, uh, he was called Frederick II. He lived in the 12th century. And uh, in, in some ways, he, he was like the father of science. Some people called him the first European. Um, and he was fascinated by all sorts of crazy things. And he did all sorts of horrendous experiments as he tried to, uh, I suppose, pursue knowledge. But one of the things that he was really intrigued by was what, what was the original language of human beings? What language did Adam and Eve speak in the Garden of Eden? And he had this crazy idea of how he was going to discover that. He, he decided to take a group of newborn babies away from their parents and to put them in a, in a building and to provide them with some nurses and to give the nurses really specific instructions. And their instructions were this, they were not allowed to talk around or to any of the babies. They weren't allowed to touch or uh, cuddle uh, any of the babies. They were allowed to provide them with food and to clean them. And what he was trying to do was figure out, would the babies develop a language and uh, what would that language be as they spoke to each other? But what actually happened was absolutely horrific. All of the children died. All of the babies died. And the only explanation for why they died was because they had no contact with other human beings. They were starved of affection and of love and ultimately of connection. It's such a tragic story, and yet in some ways, maybe not in quite as horrific a way, it kind of sums up 2020 for lots of us. We've lost connection. We've lost connection uh, with God. We've lost connection with each other. 2020 is the year we all stopped hugging. And it's affected us. It's affected our lives. It's affected our souls. 
It's affected our attitudes and our postures. It's affected how kind we're able to be to each other. It's interesting in the absence of contact, unkindness becomes much more natural. You only need to look at social media for that. The antidote right now is connection. Connection with Jesus and connection with each other. Listen to the words of Jesus from John 15. So you must remain in life union with me. I I love that translation. And it's interesting again for us to notice this is not a suggestion or an invitation. This is a command from Jesus. You must remain in life union with me for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. I am the sprouting vine, you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you're powerless. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. This is a moment for us to reconnect in the intimacy of our own homes, in a car as you drive to work this week, wherever you find yourself right now, the risen Lord Jesus is available to you, longing to connect with you, to provide you a life source that cannot help itself but bear fruit in your life. The question is, do you want to connect? Do you want to connect to the one who longs to connect with you? I've asked James to lead us in a prayer together before we come to communion. The words of that prayer are so simple. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you more and more. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you more and more. Wherever you are right now, put those words on your lips and in your heart. A confession that Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you. We long to be connected to you, Lord. Help us right now in this moment by your spirit to connect.